Hi, I'm Alan Foster and you're listening to the Printism Media UK Print Podcast. Welcome to the um, second edition of the Printism Media UK Print Podcast and I'm pleased today to introduce um, our guest, Brendan Perring. Welcome, Brendan. Hi, Brendan. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, it's nice to see you. And uh, Brendan, would you mind just telling us everybody uh, a bit about yourself, uh, a bit about the, sorry, I should say that Brendan is the general manager of the IPIA, which is the Independent Print Industries Association. Um, so if you'd just like to tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your background and the IPIA, please. Yeah, sure. So um, I actually came into the trade uh, uh, and now can't escape, as with many people. Um, but I, I came in through a, a, a kind of roundabout route where I was a, an undercover journalist when I first graduated university. I did that for a year. Um, uh, almost got my legs broken a couple of times. That was fun. Uh, and then I uh, moved on and did a, decided that that wasn't for me and I wanted a family. So I did a postgrad in multimedia journalism, which had a business to business module and then found out I could earn twice as much money and not have my legs broken working in business, business magazines. Uh, that doesn't seem and, nearly as much fun though. Yeah, no, not nearly as much fun. Exactly. And you haven't got the war stories afterwards either. Um, although there are some pretty aggressive printers I've dealt with over the years, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> the first, job I got was working at Print Monthly magazine as its deputy editor and yeah. the editor of Signlink magazine. And a funny story, I didn't actually know that I was the editor for the first three days because all, all of the job description and everything um, was just for a reporter. And even yeah. after the interviews with the MD and, and, uh, and everything else, it, this hadn't come to light. And uh, it was only on my third day in training with the then editor, Moena um, Kearns, that she, uh, she said uh, she was. We were doing the layup of the magazine. I was like, "So is this? This is just if the editor's sick, right?" You know. And she said, "No, no, you're the editor, Brendan." What? I remember going home that evening and telling my wife, "Apparently, I'm the editor of a magazine." <laughs> so, so you couldn't get really more accidental. Um, and then over the ten, sort of nine, ten years that I was at Link Publishing, which owned those two magazines. Um, I just sort of developed this love for the print industry. Um, uh-huh. you know, it kind of hooks you and the culture and the history and the machinery. And I'm, I'm really into engineering and mechanics um, in my spare time. Um, yeah. I'm an amateur mechanic. So all of the, the technology really excites me and interests me as well. Um, and yeah, I, I found over the, la- over the years that I became less of defining myself as a journalist and an editor and more as defining myself as um, a member of the print industry uh, mm-hmm. and over the you know we we founded a print the print show in 2015 at, uh, at print monthly and we we ran that successfully for several years until I left there and it's still continuing now I'm sure it will again after COVID and uh, yeah just got completely immersed and the IPIA was one of the biggest customers of the print show had the biggest stand every year developed a really good relationship with the team. Um, and so when the general manager position came up, um, 
I, uh, I decided I'd like a change and uh, here I am. So I, I look after um, a membership that compromises print management, yep. trade printers and um, OEMs and suppliers. We have a light membership category that is for business to consumer printers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually as of um, a couple of months ago, uh, we are also now part of the same group that includes the um, BAPC, which is the British Association for Print and Communication, um, which uh, is really defined by being a business to consumer print organization association um, with a lot of its members in the kind of southeast area. So, uh, so yeah, that's me. Good stuff. Now, the IPIA, how many members do you have? So the IPA has uh, 150 uh, core members. Um, it then has uh, the BAPC, which is now part of the same group, has 400 members. Um, and we have a really rapidly growing light membership category um, because we had uh, a very large um, support uh, project put in place by Premier Paper Group. Okay. Um, who wanted to really support their customers in the kind of COVID recovery phase. And so uh, Premier Paper, any of its customers um, that cross a a certain threshold with them, um, they will pay for a full year's worth of light membership Mm -hmm. of the IPIA. So so that's really rapidly growing, obviously, because Mm -hmm. people are having their their memberships paid on the light category by Premier Paper. Um, And the models are very different. the IPA has always been um, kind of quality over quantity. Right. It's always been a kind of really um, kuthi, uh strong network of people that come together. And <clears throat> it's always been the link between the print management community and the trade print community. Right. And then in latter years pivoted to include OEMs, suppliers, software vendors, etc., who then also want to connect to the trade printers. So it creates that kind of virtuous circle. Um, And the IPA, essentially, what we do is create, we curate um, a series of core benefits. So we use that that number of of large companies and we go to a service provider, whether that's law or HR, um, marketing services, SEO, you name it, everything a business needs to run. And we say, look, we're negotiating with you on behalf of this very large group of customers. Um, what deals can you do for us that we can then pass on? Yep. They're, then, they're then gaining a captive um, group of potential customers that we will market them to. And in return for that, uh, they give us very substantial deals that we can pass on to our members, which they benefit from. Right. Um, and then we do a lot of proactive work with making sure that we can create essentially a new sales pipeline for our customers, um, uh, which are the trade print, you know, the trade printers specifically and suppliers. So whether it's networking events or exposure in our month, in our quarterly magazine or our website, um, there's a lot of different projects for inter-member networking. It's all about creating those business networks. Um, And for the print management community, what it's really about is them building very strong relationships with the trade print members that we have yeah. um, and being also given access because they're part of a trusted group to perhaps, you know, um, a, a more preferential and higher level service from those trade printers 
because they've built up those relationships with them over the years. So yeah, yeah that's us. Yeah, good. And uh, I guess then that um, membership and access to members gives you a pretty unique overall view of the, the print trade in the UK at the minute. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's unavoidable, obviously, to ask about um, the, the current situation. How is how is the trade, if that's not too general a question? Yeah. So we um, we have a, a connection um, to BASE, the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy. Okay. Um, BASE has a representative that sits on the GPMA, another acronym for you, the Graphic Print Media Alliance, which is a trade association for trade associations. <laughs> and- <laughs> And uh, we sit on that and the government appointed a representative because it has, a, believe it or not, the government actually has a dedicated civil service team for the print industry. Right. They, are, they actually have a civil service. That. that team also happens to work for the ceramics industry and the construction industry and many others. But yeah. part of their portfolio is print, which I was very surprised to find out. Eating yeah. a sandwich with, uh, at the time, um, a very nice uh, gentleman called Dr. Olu Fasan, who is our senior civil servant in charge of the print industry. So when COVID hit, um, you know, the distance between government and trade associations went down to nothing. And I was on uh, the phone to the civil service every day. Um, uh, they were calling us and they were giving us huge amount. They were giving us tasks to go out and do to get research and data from the ground so they could form policy. Yeah. And I think the most surreal moment was um, getting a call and an email at 8.30 in the morning from Dr. Fassant saying that was 20 questions long with all sorts of strange things about, you know, um, how does, how many meters apart do print workers on average stand from each other? Uh, uh, you know, what, uh, what is the physical requirement for people in your industry to be physically at their place of work and so on and so forth. And yeah. I rang him up and said, Ollie, what are, what are all these questions for? Oh, we're having a cabinet meeting later today. And this is the basis on which we'll decide whether to keep your industry open or not. Right, my goodness. <laughs> so, so, so no pressure then. Yeah, no pressure. So, you know, I went and did this questionnaire and then followed up and he said, yeah, great. So we've decided you can stay open. And uh, thanks very much. We uh, we used that information, and you know that that was surreal. That that's how close so, we got. So to... every panel that managed to steal during the crisis has got you to thank for it. Well, not just me. Um, it was the it was me and several other manufacturing associations, who with similar a similar makeup to us, who all submit you know submitted this content. They then pulled it together and said, right, um, the print industry represented by the IPA with this questionnaire. Um, has got the same findings as these three other trade associations, but that's how they, I think they only got three or four replies back in the time span. Yeah. So yeah, they, they then based that on and that's how, you know, it's absolutely surreal because up until a month before that, we had no relationship really with the civil service at that level. We'd done government lobbying and lots of, you know, we'd always put in research and data, but to suddenly have immediate access to a senior civil servant was bizarre. Yeah. So, um, the, the, the reason I tell that story is of the basis for my answer that we then did huge amounts of research over the last four months, partly for the civil service. And what we found was um, because 
and we then worked with them to try and explain is that the print industry, as we all know, is so is basically exposed to all of those breadbasket sectors that got closed down. Hospitality, yeah. retail, leisure. That's, you know, our core um, remaining real solid work. And, you know, that was all lost. Yeah. So I think at the depth of the crisis, on average, the commercial print industry had gone down to about 15% of turnover. Um, you know, and in some cases, it just halted altogether. Yeah. Um, and that would have been even worse. But if obviously um, there is a segment of our industry that deals with frontline services and the NHS, and um, they saw a massive spike in work. Yeah. Uh, the uh, government contracts saw a huge spike in work. Um, so there were some, some winners, um, but mostly were losers. And from that real low in probably by the end of April, we've now seen it slowly rebuild <clears throat> until about a month ago where the average had gone back up to probably about 70%, right. maybe 75. Yeah. Um, as everyone needed to, you know, reprint all of their menus for their restaurants yeah. uh, as they're allowed to open. Uh, all the safety, all the safety leaflets and window, you know, flyers and ever all the ephemera of stuff for COVID. They saw a, a blip to go really high. Yeah, and we've now seen it settle back down to probably about sixty percent um, on average, and that seems to be the accepted figure from all of the trade printers that we survey. Yeah. Um. So, and I think with all the government help, the furlough support, and everything else. People are kind of, they've battened down the hatches, they've weathered the storm so far. But I think it's unavoidable. And the reality is we think by March next year, we will probably see somewhere in the region of 900 to 1,000 businesses, unfortunately, go in our industry um, yeah. one way or another, um, which is very sad. Um, but then you have to fate, then balance that against that. We think that that figure will rise back up to 95% of turnover on average. Right. That the industry in general will also, from our predictions and the research we've done, get back up to 95% pre-COVID overall turnover volume. Right. So what you'll then have is actually that 95% volume spread out across a smaller number of commercial printers, print management, and then obviously the supply chain that service them. So I think that the winners actually at the end of this may be the ones who come through and have managed to survive because yeah. they'll be essentially taking on more work from those who are, you know, on, on that pool. But unfortunately, and sadly, I think the losers will be the suppliers um, because other than the fact that they can make money through consumables contracts um, and that the, the machinery industry is going to suffer because yeah. there's simply going to be a much smaller pool of, um, of customers and we're seeing that because a lot of our, our manufacturing members and our supplier members um, are obviously having to uh, you know consult on jobs and it's I think a very difficult time for them so yeah yeah that's, I think that's the overall picture yeah it's, uh, it's certainly tough times isn't it and uh, I know myself you, you just you almost let the tap switched off overnight you know it was, it was incredible um how it happened um so uh, you know to get back to the sort of positive side of things is any businesses that you guys work with that you've seen adapting or coping you know doing things a bit differently to to push on during this yeah i i think that actually 
this has shown the print industry in incredibly good light because the print industry were the very first to the um, to the line in terms of PPE manufacturer. Yeah. I mean, the so many of our trade printers pivoted overnight. And actually, I'll give you an example: Spectrum Print and Plastics, um, which everyone should look up. Fantastic company. They, within the first week, had put their shoulder to the wheel and were producing. They basically turned their entire factory around and were producing PPE equipment within they uh, within then another three weeks as they got you know got to grips with how to produce it and the levels and everything. Yeah, they were producing that just simply at cost um, for the first six to eight weeks and just trying to get as much volume into um, hospitals, care centres as possible, yeah. both regionally and nationally, and then became part of the buying framework for that. And we're just pumping in as much as possible. Um, and then they, they continue to do that. Uh, then, you know, because as with the rest of the industry, their, their work completely dried up. Um, and then they made, again, the amazing decision to um, basically set, the, um, uh, set the, the price point on all of its PPE manufacturers simply at a point to keep all the staff employed. Yeah. Oh. And yep. they did that throughout the whole of, you know, right up until very recently. Um, where they've started to switch back again. Yeah. But now uh, PPE manufacturer and also personalized branded PPE manufacturer is now part of their service offering. Um, I've seen a lot of our members pivot and switch after talking about it for many years into wide format inkjet. Yep. Because there was suddenly a big demand and boom for all the large format graphics, floor stickers, window films, um, signage, outdoor signage, and that's going to continue. That works never going to, you know, that, that work isn't going to go away again for another year or so whilst we have COVID. There's still yeah. going to be a need for all that to be renewed. So there was a lot of innovation with that. Um, <clears throat> and I think also that there is a bump in direct mail because so many of the large corporates and companies who, you know, there's customers got into real difficulties. Um, there was suddenly a new demand. So quite a lot of our commercial, our trade printers also started to pivot into either doing tie-ups or starting to produce direct mail or door drop um, to, to take up that demand. Um, yeah. So I think our industry has done brilliantly well. It's worked really hard to try and um, cope. Um, but as always, I think, unfortunately, there were some of the, some businesses who were actually still suffering from the legacy of the recession and the cre global credit crisis. Yeah. Who were just about getting back on their feet just about having paid off that last big loan they took to get through the recession. And then this happened and it's mean that they now can't bridge the gap. Yeah. It's just been the, the final nail for them. Yeah. And that's really, no, that's, I think that's the saddest thing for me because, you know, they were really innovative companies that have worked really hard to survive since the recession and, and credit crunch and had made it, you know, they were yeah. just within breathing distance of being back on their feet and having a long-term business again. And this has just wiped them out. So yeah, that's that's such a shame. That's it is a shame, yeah. So um, we were we were chatting earlier, and um, we were talking about you know what are companies going to have to do, and you've already mentioned ones that have you know sort of pivoted and offered new products because I mean that that whole PPE industry didn't survive, uh, didn't exist six months ago, um, but general you know what are your thoughts on companies having to do things differently and 
just adapt so that they can give their, their suppliers a new, uh, sorry, their customers a new offering going forward? Yeah, I think this is the central question for our whole industry. Um, and it's one that whether I was, when I was at the magazine, now I've been at a trade association that I've been screaming about for years, um, is the fact you know, that our, our industry en masse, whether, unless you are a really specialized trade printer or you're a really specialized commercial printer in something like hobbyist magazines, yeah. and you've got that niche, it ain't, ain't going anywhere, it's found its level. Unless you've got something like that, um, you have to uh, take a long, hard look at the business and realize um, that print is not your product and that your product is solving your customers' problems. Yeah. And this is what the historically the print management companies have done for many years, and they've done quite well. And then they've gone and procured the print for the customer. But what the print management company is doing is solving problems. They yeah. print management has evolved to being a, from being a print brokerage to essentially being a marketing company. Yes. And if you look at the biggest print management companies, they've all pretty much dropped the moniker of print management. And when the customer comes to them, they think they're just working with a marketing agency. Yeah. And a lot of print management companies, as we know them, the customer you know, they handle their social media, they can do hook them up with website development. I mean, they are, they're just a full service marketing agency very often now that specializes in print. Yeah. Um, and what are printers, and this is happening, you know, this isn't not, it is, there, there is a group of um, innovative, proactive printers who are doing this and are turning, are turning the corner quite well but they need to just sit down with their customers and realize that if they just keep trying to chase volume at pennies per sheet and they're going to buy a new um, box to put in the corner that might do it for them half a P cheaper per page that and basically trying to survive through just buying new technology that will allow them to do it cheaper and faster is not going to, they're just going to keep chasing their own tails. Yeah. Um, that, that they need to sit down be more consultative with their customers and simply get closer to them and say, right, we need to stop this tango of, of you ask me for a quote. I give you a quote. You tell me I want it 10% cheaper. I say, I can't do 10%. I'll do five. We go round and round. Eventually we come to a price point. I, I deliver it for you. You have a great time, but I'm going to be out of business if I keep doing this in a year's time. Yes. Yeah. So what is it that you're actually trying to achieve in your business? Great. Okay. You want to increase your market share by 15%. Right. Well, let me innovate for you and come up with some ideas because printers have incredible technical knowledge at their fingertips. They, there's nothing they don't know about how to use these, you know, the, the substrate of paper and ink and special effects and finishing to create these incredible products. So let me come up with something that really helps your business achieve that 15% market share growth. Um, and we are seeing that in our membership time and again with um, commercial printers actually downsizing their customer base, looking after their top 20% far more and moving away from the volume market, which they're now leaving to the trade printer. If they get a volume request in, I want 50,000 cheap pizza flyers, they just call up someone like Route One Print or Trade Print yeah. or and they go, right, Mr. Account Manager, I've got this job in. What can you do for me? And they just sub it through the trade printer. And because of the trade printer's volume, they don't, you know, for them, it's fine. That volume, yeah. they can make one P per sheet. Um, 
the print, the trade, you know, the, the commercial printer doesn't have to lose any money on that job. They don't have to worry about it. And they make half a P per sheet and that's it, you know, yeah. so uh, they're, they're doing okay. So the overall message, and this is something we actually explored at our punch back print conference, which ran uh, two weeks ago. Yep. Um, and people can check that out at punchbackprint.haysummit.com. Um, one of the key a series of four episodes on there was how to sell solutions, not print. Yes. Real, real world scenario. Um, the CEO, <clears throat> CEO of Huddersfield Town Foundation, which is a charity connected to the football club, sat down and she had um, eight days a week print solutions, Latch and Direct, Nutshell Creative, and V Press sit down with them and give her a full consultancy on how to achieve their goals. And what came out of it was a pretty sophisticated direct mail campaign, but that was a real world consultancy. There was no set expectations at the start. And the idea with that series was to try and demonstrate to the commercial print industry that it's possible. Yeah. You've got a good relationship with a customer. You can then bring in partners, bring in your software provider like VPress, bring in the marketing agency that you work with three times a week, ask them to be part of that process and help you win that big client because then you all benefit. Yeah. No, definitely. I think a, a more collaborative, holistic approach is definitely going to be the way forward, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it, it is just, you know, it will happen. It is already happening and people are seeing that they, that is the way forward. Um, but I think a lot more really good commercial print businesses with good histories and have been trading for a long time, there is hope they can have a long-term sustainable future for their business but they have to realize that simply competing on price they will not be here in five years time yeah. and that's stark and covid my my answer to that question would have said they will not be here in 10 years time before covid post covid that, that's now compressed it and it's you know it really is my message is that stark and blunt you have to do it now now don't wait anymore you have to go out there and cr- transform your business like this otherwise you know you, you are just counting down yeah so then um that's the, the sort of future for the the trade what about the future for the ipia what are your guys plans for the next six 12 months <clears throat> so um for us uh we have a conference um that uh we are partnering with called future print uh which is happening later in the year in october and uh, that is uh, seeing five days worth of um, content being generated, much the same as the Punchback Print Conference that we've just concluded. Um, there will be eight or nine hours of content every day, um, which will be panel discussions, keynote talks, like if anyone's seen the TED Talk series, yeah. something you know, stuff in the style of the TED Talk series, um, uh, individual question and fireside chats, um, expert, uh, expert analysis on specific industry issues, um, sales training. I mean, a huge different plethora, all free to consume, um, online and you can go on and basically you register for the talks that interest you and the seminars and sessions that interest you. And there'll be, you can then go on and you, you go and watch those live and you can interact. So, you know, with the, on the, the webinars, you can post questions, you can question the panelists um interact get the question um so i just need to uh look that up for you 
I'll put it in the, the notes anyway on the, the thing. But. Yeah, so it will be on the, and the other, so it's basically split into industrial print, packaging print, wide format print, um, commercial print days. And the IPA are, will be running the, or helping to assist with the commercial print day. And I'll be presenting that. Mm -hmm. um, and the next one will be on the, if I just look this up. October 12th to October 16th. Okay, but as I say, I'll, I'll put, you know, uh, links to the website and everything on the, the notes. So it's good to hear, you know, that you guys have really been proactive and positive and you, you are seeing sunlight at the end of the tunnel. Yes. Uh, I think that was the message. That's why we called it Punchback Print, because it is time for our industry to punch back into action. Um, I've seen two key trends in with commercial printers. There is obviously some space in the middle, but they seem to have fallen largely into two camps. Those who have decided to be really aggressive and to use something like C-Bills loan and their bounce back loan to hire two or three salespeople and to be ultra aggressive regionally and nationally to essentially soak up some of the work that the other group aren't doing. Yeah. And that's because the other group have been decided because of all of the market instability and everything else to essentially close up shop, um, mothball their operations, and they're going to keep all of their staff on furlough until the end of the furlough period. They have a C-bills loan, they have a bounce back loan and they're sitting on it um, because they don't want to make any rash moves because they're waiting for uh, the outcome um, or some stability. But yeah. the trouble is, because you have the other group who are being very aggressive, they're seeing their work slowly ebb away to their competition while they sit on their hands. Yeah. So the message from Punchback Print was, come on, everyone needs to try, get back in. You can't just sit anymore. Um, you need to get back to business and connect with your customers and start to bring your staff back. And uh, what you know, I think our industry is incredibly strong and it's full of very clever, innovative people. And we are seeing our industry come back to life and people, you know, innovating, taking advantage of new opportunities, diversifying. Uh, and if I look for the silver lining, it will be, I think that at the end of this, our industry might be smaller, but I think it will be right sized. Yeah. Um, because so, you know, there's so much at the, you know, before COVID just horrendous price competition regionally. So that, you know, I'm very sad about that, the losses of those businesses. But the reality is there will be a smaller group of people competing for a larger pool of work um, yeah. comparatively. And I think those businesses that will have come through will be those who are innovative and forward thinking. So, you know, if I look for the silver lining, that that's it, that, you know, we will we will have an industry after this and that um, it will be a different shape. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe it's helped given some people the kick they needed. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your, your time and your insights today, Brendan. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. And as I say, 
that silver lining that uh, I hope that's right and that uh, the industry comes out of this at the other end stronger. Yeah. And uh, you know, as I always say, you know, whether whether they are members or if they are not members, um, anyone can reach out to the IPIA and the BAPC for support. Yeah. Um, if you are a trade print organisation, um, print management uh, supplier, you can reach out to the IPIA. If you are a business to consumer printer um, and a retail print, a high street copy shop print, then reach out to the BAPC. Um, uh, you can look for those websites and just ask us for help. Um, we help, you know, we are here to support the industry, not only our members. Um, yeah. So uh, do reach out and I'm sure that we can, we can find a way to help your business. Right. Brendan, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Cheers. Then. Thanks for listening and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, comment and share.